Welcome, I'm Luca Reedy, the host of the Feeling Alive podcast. Thank you for being here. Look, I'm going to be straight up honest here. Right now, we are a race desperately seeking fulfillment and truth in our life. And I, for one, have been in the depths of emptiness myself. And let me tell you this, it can get dark down there, but you can get out of it. So I've made it my mission to bring you guests that are inspiring, thought-provoking, and even radical in their belief systems, which are going to leave you feeling empowered, fulfilled, and ready to leap into your true self. It's time to awaken to a new way of being. Your true potential exists right now. You only need to go and find it. And before we get stuck into this next episode, I wanted to just take a short bit of your time and let you know what I've got offered for people listening to this now. So I'm very passionate about healing the emotions, very passionate about giving you a platform to start seeing your truth. And so what I have decided to do is get some more information out there that will be able to help you on that journey, that self-discovery journey. So I've got a free five-day course with an ebook called Changing Your Reality, which is talking about the mechanisms that are in your environment and within you that are holding you back or stopping you from getting to your destination, to your dream goal, to your ideal future, your ideal reality. And the ebook goes into the depths of it. There's also a fielding meditation. And this is created based on my own experience of looking at my own energy and doing the healing of my past, which was creating a conditioned program that could only limit me a specific environment or a specific manifestation of a reality based on all the shit that I've carried on my past and when I realized that I could disconnect and I I started to learn about the mechanisms that was making that happen I started shaking that shit because that's not how I want to live when I bring my kids into this world or how I want to be interacting with my family and friends in the future and on that note I've also just started to open up to some limited spaces for mentoring so one-on-one mentoring where we go on this energetic guidance over eight weeks and we do use the quantum world and we we heal the past and we heal the story that's been holding us back and make sense of us to give us meaning and not only that we I give you accountability coaching to help you work towards your goals and what action you need to take in the right direction and not any old action that's the right action in the right direction so finding your alignment and then also using my spirituality and my understanding of consciousness and the universe and interjecting that into your life so you can start seeing more meaning on a daily basis and so I've got a limited amount of spots and this is going to be for an eight-week course eight-week program with weekly zoom calls Um, I'm in Bali so it has to be zoom but if you are in Bali or you're in Bali during that eight-week period more than welcome to do them in person they're just as effective and I can help you break down the barriers break down the limiting beliefs break down the condition program and help you find more meaning on the way to your goals and dreams. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce this next episode very shortly, which is powerful. And if you resonate with that, then you can see, you can take the next action and see down in the show notes for uh, more information. So thank you very much and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Feeling Alive podcast with Luca Reedy. We got another episode here and this one is going to be a very, very interesting one for you all. So today I have Mark Bentley, who is a human design enthusiast and one of the first Gene Key ambassadors who runs Discover Your Genius Sessions, and I have been lucky enough to do one of these sessions with Mark. 
Um, and today we're going to be diving into what I like to call the life instruction manual. So I know most of you listening to this will really, like your ears will prick up at the thought of that. Like there is an instructional manual for my life, question mark. And I like to say through my own experience is yes, I believe so. And so that's why I have Mark here today to talk about this and exactly what it is. And for those of you who don't know what the human design reading or gene keys are, this is the episode that will open you up. And what I highly recommend to you all is to go out there and if you haven't heard of it, go and do some research and hit Mark up and get your reading done. What I am discovering is that a lot of people in life are awakening to a new level of meaning in their life, which that means finding their purpose, finding their destiny, understanding what they're meant to do here in this world. And I, for one, have been on that journey. And it's really refreshing to see that there is something deeper inside of us and in this cosmos, in nature, in the planet, in the universe, whatever you want to call it, that is connected to us and is guiding us. And that's how I see this human design is that when we were born, we have an energetic imprint and this energetic imprint determines what we're good, bad, or let's say what good or not so good at and where our interests and purpose lies. So without further ado, I have the man here himself with an amazing audio because he's got the most amazing uh, microphone set up, putting me to shame, and you just like listen to how Christmas is. But I have Mark here. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, brother. Hey, Luca. Thank you very much for having me on, man. No worries, brother. They definitely can hear that Chris mic. I'm, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, my man, let's just do a little intro for those because I know, like, if people haven't heard this and they're, they're just seeing the title Life Instruction Manual and going, What the hell is this? <laughs> let's just like give the listeners a a brief overview, man, of what, what you're uh, helping people discover. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, thank you again, Luca, for giving me this chance. It's, um, it is absolutely my 100% passion that just like yourself, when I discovered human design and really saw the potential of what it was laying out for us, it just blew my mind, you know, because mm. it's, it's one of those cliche things that you remember hearing growing up, you know, that, that the parents would say, look, life doesn't come with a user manual. You just have to work it out you know? And, and we went out there and our schools tell us, this is how we need to be. That's how you need to be, you know, and all of our traumas start telling us how we need to be. And, and we end up living these lives out of fear where we're just trying to be like everyone else and then finding ourselves failing constantly, you know, Mm -hmm. or even if we do succeed in trying to be like everyone else, there's, there's something missing. And we end up feeling this kind of this, this hole inside, which ends up forming into depression and anxiety and all these parts, because deep inside, we know that even though we might be, you know, superficially successful, like somebody else is, we're not really mm. satisfied with what we're getting from it. We're not feeling like we're in the right place. And mm. so human design for me and the Jenkies work, but speaking to human design directly is kind of like the workshop manual for your human vehicle. So, you know, Luca, it's like if you go out and you, you go buy yourself a car, all right? So you go get yourself a Hyundai XL or something. And when you bring that car home, if something goes wrong with it, you either take it to the mechanic or you buy a workshop manual. So you can open the manual, you can look into it and go, okay, well, let's diagnose the problem, find out where it's happening and why it's happening. Mm. And so human design is basically that workshop manual for your human vehicle that your kind of higher self has incarnated into in this lifetime. 
And when you kind of get to learn how to read these manuals, so for some people, they go deep into human design and study it like myself. I spent many years kind of really going deep. It's, it's pretty much like a university course. Mm. And for others, you know, it's enough just to get someone like myself to give them a session where, and which is like the equivalent of taking your car to a mechanic. So in that mm. sense, I'm kind of like a mechanic of the matrix that I have, you know, I, I get your workshop manual. And then I can have a look at it and help translate it for you to help understand, you know, what kind right. of vehicle are you driving? Is it a manual? Is it automatic? You know, yeah. four-wheel drive, race car, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow, man. So, okay. You're basically allowing someone to service their own vehicle instead of, mm. and this is, this is a good, this is a good analogy, man. I like that car analogy. So it's like, instead of going to the mechanic, which I like to say, going outside of yourself, yeah. You can actually understand yourself by getting this reading, which is getting the user manual for your car, the service manual, mm. and going within yourself to fix it. Yes. Or to not so fix it, but to understand it, which in understanding you'll fix it. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting, dude. So I think that's a really good analogy for people, even just walk, like that's that's drawn them in. So mm. uh, the first thing I want to draw on just something real quick is like the, the fact that you mentioned university degree. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. Like looking at, like you've, you've sparked enthusiasm in me for like reading people's basic human design chart. Mm. And I mean, I only read their incarnation cross and their profile and their definition. And then I'm just like, cool, that's all I know. Cause then you look at that over that chart of the channels. There's what, is it 64 channels? Uh, yeah. 64 gates. 64 gates, 64 yeah. gates. And then that's like a complex system, man. And mm. knowing what each gate does, which we'll probably get into here, mm. is is like a lot of work to memorize that or to understand it and to read it and to interpret it for the person you're doing, your client or whatever. It's crazy. Yeah. But what's even crazier is the uh, evidence of that that what you're reading is is evident in that person. Mm. like it's actually showing up in their life and they're going, oh my God, that is me. That's what happened with me, right? Yeah. So that's really interesting. So let's start with like, let's go in there with human design, right? So where will we start to, what's your definition of human design, right? What is your interpretation? Okay, so with with human design, it is it is kind of literally as it's saying. It's it's mm. how, what is your human design? How are you designed? Um mm. And if, if those who are listening to this, if you pulled up something like mybodygraph.com, it's a great website to do your own human design profile and you pop, pop your data in and, and what you'll see is this, this kind of um, nine-centered uh, energy map in a way that gets shown. And like you say, it's very complex. There's 64 different gates. There's nine different centers with a whole bunch of channels. And the way I like to think of it is human design is showing you the circuitry of how your energy systems work in your vehicle. So how your energy systems are designed in your vehicle in that sense. So mm. when we look at those different gates, they all represent you know, different functions and different kind of um, aspects of our energetic circuitry. And, and again, it's, it's, so human design is really you know, the architectural manual to the vehicle. And it's, it's actually interesting, just to speak to what you mentioned before, Luca, that yeah. When we're when we're reading a, a human design profile, it can be a bit tricky because of the complexity of it. If we look at each of the pieces individually and separate from all the others, then it can actually be a bit misleading. 
And sometimes okay. human design can be a bit disempowering if, if it's misunderstood because, you know, the, the old mind has a way of um, interpreting things in a way that can yeah. benefit it. And so one of the real beauties of human design is once you really get to understand all these different separate kind of circuits, it's the real magic happens when you then see as a holistic view how it all plays out together in that sense. Mm, interesting. Okay. Mm. And so how is that different to the gene keys? Awesome. Which is an yeah, this is a yeah. this is where I'm sort of like needing this information myself. So thank you very much. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> it's um and it's, it's something I'm really deeply passionate to really share because <clears throat> pardon me, for those that aren't aware, you know, the Gene Keys system has been around for a bit over 10 years. Um yeah. and it comes from a man called Richard Rudd who wrote the Gene Keys book. And he calls himself the first recipient of the gene keys in that he doesn't own, you know, claim ownership of the whole thing, but, you know, he's kind of the guardian of the transmission in that sense, like a, a turtle right. holder. Now, right. Richard Rudd was actually one of the biggest teachers of human design before the gene keys. Oh, really? Yeah. So he used to work with Ra and all the team and different things. And he's from England and he used to do a lot of workshops and courses in human design. So Richard comes from that background and, then a time came when he started feeling like there was something else. There was something more coming because human design can be quite analytical. It's very masculine in its approach. Mm, okay. um, it can be very uh, tough, you know, in the way that we take on directly um, our shadows and, and looking at the way we're designed. Um, and it's all about human design is really all about, you know, deconditioning and it can become quite Spartan in a sense, you know, warrior like okay. in, in the way of take yeah. on the deconditioning and rip it apart. Mm. And so I think essentially not to speak for Richard, but essentially as he went on, he started recognizing there was there was another piece of this puzzle that hadn't hadn't arrived yet. And then he began having um, his own deep mystical experiences that led him to receiving the voice that kind of helped him connect to the Gene Keys and bring through this new interpretation of the 64 um, different gates of a human design profile, which for okay. those who know the ancient Chinese I Ching, or I Ching, depending on how you say it, it's... Yeah. Um, which, is the, which is the world's oldest oracle, I believe. Amen to that, 5,000 years, they believe. Yeah, and yeah. and the the mythology goes it was discovered originally on the back of a turtle on on a turtle's back. You're um, kidding. Yeah, it was uh, apparently an old mystic was walking along a, a beach and and saw this turtle shell or a turtle had come up, you know, a big tortoise, and was looking at the back of the turtle shell and saw the different patterns, and then was basically contemplating contemplating the meaning of the universe, and that's when the patterns on the back of the shell began to form the sixty four different hexagrams or symbols and show their meaning to him so that's that's the the mythology that wow. this all began five thousand years ago mm, and okay from, and from that place human design and the gene keys are kind of you know the the evolutionary product of five thousand years of evolution mm. and now what we're seeing with the gene keys to speak directly to your your original question to me human design is like the the manual to understanding how to drive and look after your vehicle and the gene keys profile that you get represents your hero's journey it kind of represents your pathway from you know fear to enlightenment and it's a powerful tool that actually takes you on a journey you know one one aspect at a time in really deeply contemplating these these aspects in our everyday life
Wow. Okay. So this is interesting. First thing is, is I think you sort of mentioned it, but for people going, well, how was he the first recipient? Mm. Let's talk about like how he received it. Cause I, I know, but I just want people to realize like there's some deeper things at play here. Yeah, for sure. So it's good to speak to it in this sense. Um, we often refer to the gene keys as the transmission. And okay. the reason we say this is, um, you know, some of those might know of the Tibetan uh, tertons, which were, it was a tradition um, where there would be somebody would be like a, a treasure holder, meaning that, you know, someone would be born into this world and they would have access to this hidden knowledge. And through their life, synchronicities would line up for them to discover that hidden knowledge, you know, whether it was in an object or through their own divine experiences, etc. And then they would be the uh, turton holder, so the treasure holder. And they would then bring that information through and share it with the world. Right. And so Richard's put forward that the Gene Keys is a turton. So it is one of these hidden treasures that's been waiting for the time for humanity to be ready for it. And mm. what's really interesting is, you know, he puts forward that where traditionally these treasures were held by one person in, in the past, that mm. the Gene Keys is a transmission that belongs to everyone and that we are all holding that it needs more than one person to be the the kind of keeper of this treasure and to share it. And it's something that is, and again, when we say transmission, the Gene Keys is essentially kind of like a mask. It's, it's just an entry point. You know, they're keys, literally, as they say, they're keys to our genome. And when you contemplate these aspects in the Gene Keys, whatever's in your profile, what you're doing is using this key to unlock and open up your kind of um, your download stream, you know, mm. from the transmission, the collective transmission, and then okay. kind of getting the, the information directly from the source. Right. So it's important to add here that when we read a gene key, for example, if you get the gene key book, that what you're, what you're reading is what Richard Rudd originally tapped into when he was contemplating this symbol, one of the 64 symbols. And he would sit with one at a time over years. He wrote this book and he would sit with one at a time and he would patiently contemplate it day after day after day until eventually it unlocked. And then he would receive this stream of kind of consciousness that would then write out this chapter. And he went through that process, just kind of following synchronicities. He didn't do it from one to 64. He kind of followed wherever he was drawn and his life experience would reflect his process along the way. And so when we say that it's a, a living transmission, what he's basically done is tapped into the same transmission that that man 5,000 years ago on the beach looking at the turtle shell was tapping into. Mm. So we're not saying that the Gene Keys is new, but what we're saying is that the way we're presenting it, the framework, the language mm. is new. And it's, it's, so it's basically the updated code to be able to yeah, access the living okay. transmission so we can become our own guides. Wow, that's interesting. So it's the updated version of the I Ching, which you know we know is coming from a higher, which is clearly come from a higher intelligence, whether that's however you want to call it, the divine, the source, the creator, God, whatever, mm. the quantum field is coming from a greater source of information channeling through, in this case, Richard Rudd and that um, and the turtle or whatever, the person who interpreted mm. the turtle, the tortoise. So it's like we have, he, like he is, 
a holder of that or a recipient of that, we all have that ability to, in some sense, receive whatever it is we need to receive, whether it's the gene keys or something else, right? That's just showing that. Yeah, and and so that just comes down to the fates of, of you know, and this, this is something I, I like to say with the gene keys, human design, et cetera, is that, you know, life is a grand play. It's a grand stage act, and each of us have a character to play. You know, mm. there's no, no, in the bigger picture, there is not really any right or wrong. Mm. But there comes down to what is your genetic script? What is the character that you came here to play? What is the role you came here to play? And mm. the gene keys in human design helps us to accept our script and to love our script because what we'll realize is no matter what it is, if you live it, you will feel fulfilled. You'll, you'll feel mm. amazing, right? And mm. so the idea is that, you know, for some people, you know, your script will bring you on the world stage. You know, for example, you and I, Luca, our scripts have brought us into the podcasting world where we're sharing, we're having these conversations and sharing with the world. And for some people, they look at that kind of thing as a bit of a, you know, oh, that's kind of, you know, a little bit Hollywoodish, a little bit kind of, you know, exciting and and out there. And they think that they would like to do it until they get to the point where you're actually having to do these things, get up in front of stages, in front of thousands of people. And what seems like something someone wants to do is totally against their natural vibe. And so... In that sense, you know, some people will be will be holders of the transmission. Some people will be destined to to bring through and translate and share it with the world. Others will be designed to tend to their back garden and grow beautiful flowers for their neighbors to come and enjoy and just anchor in a deep, beautiful community feeling. You know, it's wow. very different for everyone in that sense. That's a very elegant way to put your life's purpose and not comparing yourself to others because mm. that's essentially what you're talking about. You're saying that we see someone like say a celebrity being all glamorous on Instagram or, or the news or TV or whatever. And we go, oh, I want that life. Yeah. But one, the reality is that's just conditioning. And two, you've actually got a greater purpose that will fulfill you far more than what that would do. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is like in some sense, like, if you don't do this reading or if you don't understand yourself on this level, you can go down a path that wasn't meant for you and end up in like a, a state of sadness or sorrow or regret because, you know, multiple, I believe multiple paths exist and you just can go down one based on your own choices and free will. Mm. And then if you don't get this guidance, you, you can potentially go down the wrong path and, and not saying it's the wrong path and there's no right or wrong, but, you could miss a life full of joy and love and in yeah. that sense of like right and wrong, do you know what I mean? Like fulfillment, deep fulfillment. So mm. it's just all the more reason to get this reading. And I believe that everyone, even in schools, uh, medical practitioners, parents, parents especially, teachers mm-hmm. should be doing this because I've seen, so after our reading, yeah, I'm like getting everyone's like incarnation crossing on. Oh shit, yeah, this is interesting. And what I'm noticing is that everyone is actually is it like every incarnation cross has been so accurate. Mm. Has been and even their profile like the to one three or two four, which we'll talk about in a sec, has been so accurate. I, I yeah. can't explain it. I've it's done wild, like huh? twenty over the last. It's so wild, man. I guess that's probably what's happened to you too. To give it so much, is yeah. that what gave, like is that what pushed you in this direction? Yeah, look, Luke, when, when I first had my first human design reading, it was with a, um, an incredible man, Sachin, here in Perth, uh, Western Australia. And when I had my first human design reading, it was, it was like I was sitting with a stranger who was the first person in my life 
to ever truly see me and recognize me. And yet, ironically, he's never met me in his life before. And so for me, that just blew my mind. It's like, how can you know me like this? How can you just sit there and read that? And it's like you're just reading me, my script, your, your everything. And once, once I felt that, it just hit home. Yeah. And I am a, <clears throat> pardon me, a projector by, by design. Okay. <clears throat> pardon me. And so as a projector, it was something where, you know, I started actually understanding myself because it's a very unique way of driving. And I went into human design and began studying it. And then once I started doing sessions with people, it just nonstop blew me away. And even yesterday, I did did two sessions yesterday where back to back, I, I got to the end of each one. And even now, five years on, I, it still blows me away, Luca. It still does. Mm. And, and I'm still <laughs> just as excited at the end and radiant and glowing. when Because I, I go into the sessions five years on, knowing that this is solid, that it's going to be okay. Yeah. But I have to trust, you know, I have to trust that it's going to connect with the client. And then yeah. <clears throat> there's nothing more exciting than when you see the client feeling recognized, feeling like they're seen and you watch the whole body kind of just relax. Yeah. And yeah, that's what happened with me too. Yeah. Test of that, man. Right. And it's, it's such a, like, it's such an honor for me as, as a, as you know, like an architect to be able to work with people that they can trust me to go into that space. And, you know, I, I once thought I needed to be all these big, amazing things. And then I realized that for every session that I do, I'm helping another person to step deeper into their own purpose. Mm-hmm. And then that will ricochet and continue to ignite people around them. Like, you know, you've already gone and started igniting people around you. you know, you you're already doing it in your work as it is. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, it just keeps on amplifying. And to me, that's where the solution to the current dilemma, the global dilemma we have right now, lies within all of us, stopping trying to fix the world outside of us and getting busy trying to anchor in and stabilize our, our purpose, you know, our incarnation mm-hmm. across inside ourselves, and then acting from love in whatever our part is to help improve the world and where it's heading. Yeah. Amen, brother. You couldn't, I couldn't have said it better myself. Mm. So stop going outside of ourselves and that's what I encourage too and just start looking within and the problems that we see outside of ourselves are just a manifestation of the energy within, right? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. You've helped me. You've actually helped me a lot. And like I said, when we first did the call, I hadn't met you before and mm. it was like, dude, you're nailing it, like absolutely nailing it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a testament to that. So just a quick one on... Um, summarizing like the gene keys and the human design because i think they've like i said the gene keys have branched off and extended onto the human design they're using the thing they're using like ancient wisdom like the i ching um i believe they're using with with the gene keys you're using the uh codons of the human dna mixing in with the 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 so there's something like there's 64 codons of the human dna and they're integrating into the into the um gene keys is that right yeah, so so this is something. Um, it's one of my favorite slides when I'm I'm doing a workshop on either human design or the gene keys. Is you know what we're starting to see is that human design and the gene keys are kind of the first, not the first, but it's it's the most advanced synthesis so far where we're starting to see science and spirituality meet. And really, what I like to to say is that when you look at those sixty four gene keys you're looking at the program language of your DNA. 
That's the programming code of DNA. Okay. Because if you go into a laboratory, you will see, <clears throat> pardon me, you will see 64 codons on what they call a codon wheel and how the proteins and amino acids, et cetera, come together to create this, this programming language for how we're yeah. going to grow our body and how we're going yeah. to, to manifest. And yeah, when you overlay the I Ching and how the I Ching is built, because, you know, not to get too technical, but a, a symbol, an I Ching symbol is made up of six lines. They're either solid lines or they're a broken line or a line with a gap in the middle. Yeah. Now, they kind of res- represent like a masculine feminine aspect. And when you lay these six lines on top of each other, it creates a hexagram, which is basically a gene key or a gate in human design. And when you have six lines of two variables, there's 64 possible permutations or 64 possible combinations. And so what we're basically seeing is that the ancient I Ching that we've had for 5,000 years was the manual to understanding the 64 codons of DNA and their purpose. Whoa, crazy. And so that's also, is it, is it also integrating the anything to do with the quantum mechanics at all? Um, I know it's got a little bit of astrology as well. Yeah. Is that right? So basically in, um, I think, was it 1987 that Ra yeah. Uruhu, who was the, the one who kind of received the human design transmission and brought that to the world. Yeah. He, he, it was actually during a time where there was a... Um, I forget right now what it was, but I think it was a, a, a star exploded or a something supernova, like that. Yeah. yeah, supernova, thank you. And there, the planet was bombarded with a stream of neutrinos. And now these neutrinos were these little particles that back then, the, 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 the science of the time was saying that these neutrinos did not have mass, even though they were coming from all the planets, from the sun, we were getting bombarded all the time by these little particles. They said they don't have mass, which means it can't affect humans or anything on the planet. Mm. And Ra received all of this information. And what he received from this kind of voice that was speaking to him, which wasn't just sharing, you know, love and light, fluffy stuff. It was sharing mathematical calculations. He was receiving yeah. really deep scientific information yeah. over this week-long period. And then he spent the rest of his life kind of bringing it down into the world. And... One of the things, or the two things to speak to what you've just, you've just mentioned, one of the things he received was the calculation that helped, allowed us to use astrological data to match up our date of birth and time of birth to the I Ching. So before Shit. human design, we didn't have any way of relating the I Ching to the human form, body, or life. We would use it, you know, it was traditionally used as a manual for, um, at, well, as a, as a guide. You know, the, the sages of the ancient emperors of China, they would consult it whenever there was change happening because mm. the I Ching is known as the, the kind of like the science of change. You know, it's, it's a system that was used to help emperors deal with times of transformation within their local community and helping them to not screw it up in a sense. But the way they would use it would be by either flipping coins or pulling little pieces of straw. And that would be how they created the symbols. And then they would use it like an oracle. But they didn't have anything linking it to a person individually. So when Ra received all this information, he was able to then connect astrology to the I Ching, which now gave us a map, a personalized map. 
And then to take it to the quantum level was when, you know, he then received this information about these neutrinos where the voice basically said, yes, neutrinos do have mass and the neutrinos that are coming from all these planets and the sun, etc., are actually hitting the, the fetus in a sense and programming the DNA to prepare it for its life in that sense. And that's why astrology works. That's why human design works is because what we're mm. seeing is that this isn't just a fluffy thing. It's one day when we have enough scientific technology, I believe that we are going to understand how it actually plays out. But at the moment, we still see it as a kind of mystery. Mm. And so this voice said that neutrinos had mass and the current science said, no, they do not. So what Ra did is he said, look, I'm going to wear my mystics cap. So he literally got this kind of mystics cap that was a little funny hat and he put it on and he said, until the science has proven that neutrinos have mass, I will keep my mystics hat on and, you know, fine. It's, it's just a mystery. It's, it's, a, it's a mythology, however you want to see it. But then about, I can't remember if it was 1992 or when it was, but they had an, uh, an improvement in the technology used to detect neutr- neutrinos. Yeah, And suddenly they had this breakthrough and they discovered, oh my God, hang on a second, neutrinos have mass. Yeah, And so he predicted a scientific discovery ahead of its time using this knowledge of human design. And at mm. that point, he took off his mystics hat and threw it away and said, okay, now let's get serious. Because what we're looking at is science. It's just we're still behind in our understanding in that wow. sense. That's crazy, man. And look, yeah. you nailed it on the head there. With like, we actually are behind. Science is behind, mm. although it's it's like it's used as a validation tool for what people inherently believe, say intuitively. And we're like, we know that there's something more here. And then science is like confirms, and you go, oh fuck, I know. Yeah. But science is always one step behind. Yeah. Although it's like leading the world in transformation, but we're still science is just trying to pr- prove the unknown. Mm. in the cosmos that you know mystics or whatever whoever you want to call even myself believe in yeah right there is something higher so man it's beautiful to see see that actually come through and quantum Mm. mechanics is game changing especially whether you start under quantum physics start understanding it start integrating your life and it's good to see that it's really nourishing for me to see that that these systems are using it, this field. This yeah. Field. Yeah, we're starting um, to bridge it. And, and I just wanted to speak to that, Luca, in the sense that of, of science and spirituality because it's, it's, it's a very powerful thing to contemplate and look at. You know how there's mm-hmm. been a lot of talk about the feminine rising and that, you yeah. know, the feminine needs to lead in that sense going forwards. You know, yeah. a lot of the time people mistake that thinking it's about men and women. And as much as women tend to have a stronger feminine and men tend to have the stronger masculine, it's not about obviously, you know, the sexes. It, it's about the, the masculine and feminine energies in that sense. Mm. And in some ways, you could look at it and think that spirituality is kind of the feminine approach to evolution. It's, it's the, mm. the priestess that opens up to connect into the mystery, into the unknown and the willingness to let go of knowing so that the feminine can receive guidance as to what's coming next. Mm. And then, so in that sense, the feminine lead the way into the unknown. And then it's the masculine forces whose role is to take that leadership and ground it into the reality. Mm. And so in a way, that's the role of science, you know, and there's a big difference between what people call science, which is really a religion of science, where it's full of dogma and all these, because true scientists should never believe 
that they know everything or anything. A true scientist mm-hmm. should always be open to be proven wrong. They should yeah. always be open to things being completely different to what they think. You know, that's the the, the spirit of science. Yeah. But what we're actually seeing is that there's this masculine attempt of using science, etc., to lead the way. But if you don't have connection to that mystery, that feminine aspect activated, then you'll never get the breakthroughs. And so 100%. if you look at like Einstein, all these great geniuses, they didn't get their breakthroughs through a masculine approach. They came from the feminine kind of loose openness in the unknown. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. Thank you for addressing that. I guess um, it's just first thing is I'm actually reading a book called The Molecules of Emotion by okay. uh, Dr. Candace Pert. She used her intuition and her open-mindedness, call it, <clears throat> excuse me, call it um, her spiritual sense in the laboratories in America, working for like big universities, John Hopkins, all of that, she was using it to help her guide her down her path and call it fate or whatever. But she ended up discovering the opiate receptor in 1972. Yeah, right. And it she talks heavily about this thing of like scientists are so caught up in their egos and so caught up in like what they know that they were like dismissing her new age thinking of like what was even to be discovered. So like talking about that the systems in the body, so the nervous system, the immune system, um, and neuroimmunology, the nervous system, then another system, they were all connected and everyone was saying, no, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then like a year later, that there becomes a whole new department in the medical world based on what she was saying. So she was that open-minded, that feminine, what you're talking about, like looking yeah. at it. And then integrating her masculine science capabilities to discover these new things. And for, you know, like that's back in the 1970s. So (laughs) that was something that's been existing for 5,000 years and we just finally discovered it. But yet the whole body was working with it the whole time. Mm. You know what I mean? So like to be dismissive or to be skeptical on something is simply closing yourself off to possibilities. Would you agree? A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Mm, that's cool man that's really cool and so i guess like a lot of people that don't really know about feminine masculine did you just want to like address it just to like layman's terms of what that means because i remember when i first heard it like it was a couple years ago however long it was someone was like oh the masculine or feminine you're in your masculine feminine like i went back and googled it i'm like what the fuck is masculine (laughs) like i'm a bloke you know what i mean so i guess i understand it now and i completely resonate with what you said but for those people don't know do you want to explain it a bit differently yeah, well, I mean, and in that sense, it's it's not my speciality in in any any sense of the word, but um, you know, from from the general approach of it, it's it's that, and it's become such a confusing topic where people use these terms like masculine and feminine a lot, and there's a lot of you know, with all words, this is kind of the beauty of the gene keys as well. It helps us recalibrate the way we use words because words are spells that carry power, and we've conditioned words to be not quite what they always were, and when it comes, you know, when I think of masculine and feminine, you know, the, the feminine aspect is, is this openness, you know, it's this receptivity is the, the capacity to receive and to, um, to kind of let go of control, you know, to be able to be present, to be, you know, really soft and nurturing to be, you know, that loving compassion. But then the masculine is kind of the creation it's the building. It's the action you know, in a sense. So in a way you could think of it as, you know, the feminine is kind of just breathing in life and receiving, you know, inspiration. 
you know, receiving mm. the love, receiving this, this energy. And then the masculine is kind of like the, almost like the outbreath or the, the actual, you know, taking that inspiration, taking that juice of that receptivity and then actually taking action with it, doing something with it. And so you see that in the archetypes of man and woman. And of course, the conversation is very alive right now in the collective around equality, et cetera, around what that all means. But if you look at the, the general archetype traditionally of men and women, women were the receptive you know they received you know they received the child you know in conception they would then hold it and give birth to it and bring this birthing of something unknown into the world they would be able to surrender into that they would receive the love of the family and create a nurturing space you know there was a really beautiful thing where the the mother would be receiving you know the visitors receiving people into the house you know it was a really sweet beautiful energy And traditionally, then the man would go out and work, you know, they would go do the, they would protect, they would attack, they would, you know, um, do all of these very masculine activities of creating. And now we've come to the time where all of those gender roles have kind of been shattered and broken up. And we're living in a time where they don't need to be traditional like that anymore that sometimes a woman will actually have a very strong masculine draw and strong masculine side. And they will want to be the the female CEO, for instance. Yeah, 100%. And so my, the only thing I bring into that, that conversation at times is just to contemplate that, you know, 100%, if you are a woman and you feel a strong masculine connection, and that is your kind of archetype and your role, because you can see that in human design and the gene keys, you can see there's, Mm. you know, more masculine kind of, life's work and then you can see there's more feminine life's work mm. now what's happened with some of the the kind of feminist movement etc over the years is that it has definitely liberated women and empowered them in many ways but sometimes and this is not all feminist but in some pockets of it it would actually kind of degrade and, and talk down to the women that chose to be very feminine that chose that mm. no you know what i do i do like being in the kitchen i love creating meals that nurture my family i love being able to create these beautiful womb spaces for my loved ones etc mm. and and there was almost like a shame for a woman to be a a, a woman in a very deeply feminine way and so what mm. happened is that the masculine archetype actually kind of infiltrated and then you know so then you found women trying to be men as opposed to being liberated to be fully woman in whatever form they wanted to be Mm. if that makes sense and there was a bit of confusion around that which is still kind of sorting itself out yeah totally man i think where it is sort of figuring itself out and the way i sort of sum it up is that we are basically trying to bring a balance of masculine and feminine into our body mm. so like this toxic masculinity say which is common a common talk at the moment is like guys just like being really tough aggressive or like action takers working really really hard and not allowing to like integrate their emotions and feelings and slowing yeah. down and getting in touch with themselves a bit more and so it's like as soon as that starts happening we'll start to see a generational shift i believe mm. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So have a rest on a Sunday and yeah, get in touch with that feminine, basically. <laughs> that's it, that's it, man. Yeah. And hey, and and you know, then bringing the gene keys in here, this this is something that that has been having the human design and the gene keys as a framework for the my last, I think, is about eight years now or something. You know, five years mm-hmm. with the gene keys, and 
what it's done is it's allowed me to find that balance a lot more in my personal life inside me, as you talk about finding that balance between our own masculine and feminine, because if, we, if yeah. we're out of balance, then we start looking for it outside of ourselves and it creates a codependent relationship with friends, family, loved ones, etc. Yeah. Okay. And so. Keep sorry? going. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. And I'm so, so then with the gene keys, what, what, are, there's basically three, three different, what we call sequences in your gene keys profile. There's your activation sequence, the Venus sequence, and the Pearl sequence. And what we're looking at is a sequence of contemplations to crack open the higher gifts hiding inside your DNA so that you can bring them into your everyday life. Mm-hmm. And the activation sequence is all about the physical body. It's about what we're designed to bring into the world, our life's work and purpose, etc. But the real juice of the gene keys happens in what we call the Venus sequence, which if you've got a profile in front of you, it's the red circles in the middle of the profile. And that Venus sequence is all about the emotional body. And so one of the greatest gifts that the Gene Keys has given me, and I'm watching it give many other people, especially men, but women as well, of course, but is a framework to develop and cultivate emotional mastery, to be able to actually bring self-awareness to where am I out of balance? Where am I being overreactive? Where am I being more strong and masculine and pushing? And where am I being submissive? You know, which is kind of the shadow nature of the feminine or the shadow nature of the masculine, you know, over pushing or under pushing, you know? And it's, it's a really powerful thing to reconnect to your heart, find that balance again in the way that is unique to you. Wow. Okay. So you're sort of using this in your reading. When you have your reading, you can go, all right, I'm out of balance here. So I've got a challenge in life and Mm. it's like a guide to go, all right, just come back. Yeah. 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 Cool. I know in the human design, you gave us like questions that are not yourself questions. Mm. So like to ask, so you're going through, like you say you're frustrated. Like my, my main, my not self theme was anger as a manifester. Yeah. And I would have a series of questions based on the areas that were undefined on my chart. And then you were saying like, okay, so you ask yourself this question if you're feeling out of, out of yourself or not yourself. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. And cool. so, and so this is actually a good point to, to differentiate again between human design and the gene keys is with human design. One of the core elements and the core gifts that you get from human design is understanding your strategy for decision-making. And in some way, you could say that free will only exists in the moment you're choosing to enter into a cycle or not. So if you think of life is full of cycles within cycles, you know, the Mayans were specialists in this. And every moment, you know, when, when there's an opportunity to enter into a cycle, there's something inside your body that is letting you know whether it's correct for you or not to enter into that mm-hmm. cycle. And if you learn to listen to that, what we call your inner authority, which is what human design gives you, then you learn to to guide yourself into the right places with the right decisions in a sense. And so that's what those questions are all about is that when you're experiencing, for example, that that anger, you know, it's it's a deep anger that you have in your body. That's your body saying you dishonored yourself at some point. You weren't listening to your authority. You let the external world kind of dictate through whatever pressures which way to go, ask yourself these questions so you can help you work out where might I be out of alignment when I'm making my decisions so that I can reconnect to what's important to me. Mm. And so in that sense, human design is a powerful, practical, very masculine, down-to-earth tool 
that can help us make the correct decisions to put ourselves into the right places. Whereas with the gene keys, what we're looking at is a process of contemplation that happens over time. The gene keys is not so much about looking at, okay, that's what I've got. Great. I know it now, but it's about saying, okay, so, you know, whatever the theme is for, for someone's life's work. So for example, I've got the seventh gene key is my life's work. So that means that I begin my journey with the gene keys by first of all, looking at what are the key notes for this gene key and how do they apply to my life? So for example, my life's work has a seventh gene key. It's the shadow of division, the gift of guidance and the city, which is its highest superpower of the highest kind of superhero power that I can bring to the world is virtue. And so then it comes down to me sitting there and when I go out into my life, when I'm having sessions with people, when I'm doing, when I'm talking to someone like you, Luca, in a podcast or when I'm finding myself commenting on Facebook or when I'm parenting my son or at the shops and I'm waiting at the checkout and I'm getting frustrated, all of these everyday mundane moments that can happen, they all represent a moment that I can look at my the way I'm bringing myself out into the world and feeling into what does division mean in this situation here? Am I, am I feeling like, and, and how does it look? And it's not about giving answers, but more about keys of contemplation to start discovering, am I dividing myself from my environment right now by thinking that I know where I need to be? And then I start contemplating, what does guidance actually mean? What does it mean to guide someone? And when you sit and contemplate your gene key, it actually empowers you to unlock the wisdom and the knowledge that you already have in your DNA. All you need to do is have a kind of directional pointer that shows you where to look. And that to me is what the gene keys are all about. Wow. That's a really good expression, man. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like when you're in tune with yourself and when you are um, in your say best version of yourself or in a balanced state, you're actually enacting naturally on what you're innately good at would that be fair to say like or what's actually in your design or your um, yeah your keys yeah 100 percent. so if you're not in that emotional state you're not out of balance so you're actually it's a nice way to draw yourself say, oh, what am i naturally doing here that's that i'm good at because that's like without having the reading i'm saying so if you mm. were to have reading you'd know a lot more about this but it's almost like you can discover when you're in balance what you're naturally good at and here for yeah, and exactly. It can give you, like, I, I like to think of it as a framework of perception, you know, because, you know, the science of epigenetics is basically showing us that what controls our DNA is how we perceive our environment. And it's not what's actually happening in your environment, but how you are perceiving your environment, how you see your environment. Yeah. So what the Gene Keys does is it gives you this framework to think, am I looking at what's happening to me right now through fear mm. and if i am what is the function of that fear what is the role of that shadow because every shadow has a function to help support our evolution you know these shadow natures of for example conflict or um, jealousy or um, division whatever the shadow is in your gene keys you know I, I say this a lot in in everywhere i ever i speak but to me it's such a beautiful thing to witness that these shadows thousands of years ago when we were, you know, prehistoric humans and, and cavemen and cave women, we needed those shadows. We needed greed because there wasn't enough resources. We didn't have the technology to provide for large families. We needed to have, you know, these kind of 
shadows to make sure that the early human form survived. So when you're looking at the shadow words in your Gene Keys profile, that's what they're representing. They're representing survival mechanisms. And then the gift... Genetically handed down. Yeah, well, they're they're built into our genome. And we still need them. Because if something was to happen, legitimately dangerous, you're walking down an alleyway and then you're under threat, like very real physical threat, then you want those shadow frequencies to switch on and be of service to protect your physical body, right? Mm -hmm. At that point, conflict will be necessary in the evolutionary process, you know, looking at it from that perspective. But what's happening is that people, because of the way our economics, politics, et cetera, runs, it runs by fear. They use fear to get elected. They use fear to sell things. They use fear for everything, right? And because of this, what we're doing is we're creating a synthetic field of fear all around the world using social media, et cetera. And that fear is triggering anxiety and the rest. That fear is triggering our survival mechanisms from our Mm -hmm. old times. And so instead of just being calm and relaxed and going, okay, well, there's a challenge ahead. I'm going to, let's, let's drop into my heart and find out how to take on this challenge that's, that's correct for me to do, that's natural mm-hmm. for me. What we're doing is we're dropping into fear. The hind brain is kicking in, you know, the reptilian part of our brain. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not very intelligent because it doesn't have time to be intelligent. It needs to protect you because what's happened is our perception has seen this, for example, an unpaid bill from a phone bill or something. And mm-hmm. instead of just seeing as, oh, okay, I can make a phone call and let's work this out. I don't have the money right now. No problems. It triggers off the fear that then makes the hindbrain think there's a dinosaur just came in my letterbox and it's trying <laughs> to rip my head off. So I need to protect myself. So now the heart rate goes up. The breathing becomes shallow. Adrenaline starts pumping into the muscles. Our body stops healing and regenerating. And those shadow words of your Gene Keys profile activate trying to protect yourself. Mm. And so what we're doing with the Gene Keys work is we're bringing awareness to how those patterns play out so that we can recalibrate our perception and bring more self-awareness to our emotional intelligence to really sit there and go, am I actually in danger right now? Is that person really trying to hurt me or are they just reacting a little bit because they've been hurt? And in which case, do I need to react like that to them? Yeah, wow. That's really fascinating, dude. So Mm. like almost bringing your your yeah like creating that self-awareness which is key but then going oh let's shine a light on this problem and let's actually reevaluate it to see whether it is a problem so Mm. saying like you can actually use this to guide your way through your challenges in your life Mm. exactly i mean who doesn't want that to have like their own inner guidance to go this isn't actually a dinosaur in the letterbox this is okay (laughs) so to speak it's, That's cool, man. You, in your life, have, have you have you kind of you know because the work you know you, you do the work so you've you've got that self awareness cultivating and developing you know how many times has it happened where you've just oh. gotten so worked up over something and then you look back and you go what what, what was I even thinking it was nothing mm. yeah you'll always recognize it in hindsight but it's like yeah. this happened to me the other day because I'm a big believer in trusting the process surrendering and just letting it flow right yeah and so I'm preaching it embodying it as a mentor and and speaking about it and then it's like I get into an unconscious pattern where something doesn't quite work out to my time schedule and I notice myself go back into like panic mode stress Mm. mode 
let's get this shit going and my voice heightens and I start getting more directive and affirmative and even somewhat aggressive in my tone. And then it was like a moment of like, like, like a 30 seconds after I was like, holy shit, where'd that come from? And you know, that's that importance of knowing that um, building up that self-awareness and building up that tolerance and also just embodying like knowing what you're, where you're at with that. Like that's how important self-awareness is. I guess where I'm, where I'm coming at here. Yeah. It's like knowing when you're not yourself, knowing when you're out of balance and going, this isn't actually a problem. I'm yeah. not an issue. This isn't an issue because it will always work out in hindsight and just trusting that process. So yeah, it's almost like embodying it as well. Mm. But yeah. yeah, dude. So like, okay, I'm just going to touch on the human design bit because we talked about it. And this is something that I realized when it was like, it almost gave me peace when I found out this aspect of myself. So you've got four types in the human design, mm-hmm. um, uh, which, well, five, I guess you could say. So the generator, the manifestor generator, which is part of the generator, the manifester, the reflector and the projector, right? So they're the four yeah. main types. Would you say archetypes? Yeah. Yeah, you could say archetypes. Um, I like to think of them as the four, the, the four main vehicles. Or like four you say, the generator manifesting generator, I kind of like to think of them as the same vehicle with very kind of different elements. Yeah, Different wheels. Yeah. The aura works yeah. the same. But the way it kind of drives is a little bit different. Okay, cool. So you've got that. And then so for me, so the generators are like 70% of the population. They're the workhorses. They like respond to a problem and like make shit happen, right? Mm. Which you could imagine as having a hard work ethic or a good work ethic or, or almost just like the people that just go hard and get it done and like you can trust it with them and they just make it happen. And for a long time, I was stuck in that. But then I found out I was a manifester. And then understanding that it doesn't quite work like that for me. Um, not saying that I don't need to work hard, but almost saying like, oh, that's why I don't really like that. Or it doesn't like continue. I can't continue that process of working hard or working at something, chipping away at something for such a long period. And I don't know, you might be able to give me more guidance on this. But so figuring out that I was a manifester and you were saying you are required to have like you work best when you have generators under you or like working with you to the sense of like they you inform because manifestors are the informers so they're there to inform and um generators are to respond and when you told me that i'm just like oh dude yes because i get into these stages where i like create something and then i'm like i birth it and it's like oh i've run out of fuel to keep sustaining it so I almost need like an army of fuel or like another tank to come in attached to it and keep it going. Does that, like for me, that made me a lot of sense to me, but how I'm explaining it probably might be, won't be as elegant as you, but can you add anything to that? Yeah, for sure, man. And, and thank you for bringing this in. And, and I like what you're saying that, because that's what I find really my work is a lot about, you know, up until now it's been word of mouth as how people generally found me. I kind of was actually resisting stepping into this role for a long time, you know, and then now I'm actually working on a website that should be up, you know, very soon and different things and opening the gate. But the one thing that I actually really started acknowledging was that when people came for a session, they were already doing a lot of their own work. And really it was like, it's almost like human design just gives you this permission slip to be yourself Mm. and usually by the time people come to me they've already got a good idea of who they are and what's going on but it's hidden away underneath Mm. and they feel almost shameful to be able to own it 
you know mm-hmm. and in fact you know talking about the the manifesto generator um relationship is a, is a really um juicy topic because basically the manifestors used to be the kings and the queens they were the emperors and the empresses of the old times you know it, as you said you, you've got this powerful aura that impacts the reality around you and initiates processes so just by being you and doing your things it begins these cycles you know it initiates things around and that's your role so like you say you're not here to work long and hard you're here to be effective when it's when it's time just like a ruler of a kingdom or a queendom you know they sit in the throne and they don't work all the time. But what they do do is they take responsibility for initiating processes that need to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they kind of stand in that sovereignty. Now, the generators, as you were saying, the generators, they, they have a sacral, they've got a solid sacral center in their human design profile, meaning that they've got a reliable source of energy that they can use to create the world. So it's them that bring the energy that actually manifests reality into the world. So without them, there would be no world. Now, in the old days, the king would, you know, in the old days, you would be a king that would sit there and you would say, I want a statue built over in that corner of the village and all of you are going to do it. And it was kind of like a slave labor type relationship that was happening between manifestors and generators. The generators would then be forced to do it and they'd use their energy in service to the king. Now, that was a, you know, it was a necessary relationship for that time, but it's also one that no longer sustains itself. So in 1781, I think it was, a new vehicle became available for the human incarnation, and that was the projector vehicle. Wow. And And what year? I believe it was 1781 is where the star alignments basically gave access to a new type of vehicle. Whoa. And... Now, from my understanding, it's been a long time since I've gone into this this part of the world of human design, but it it was going to last for a couple of hundred years or something. Um, So I'm a projector myself, and about 20% of the population, last time they checked, I think it was 10 years ago, was a form of projector. And the, the role of the projector was to enter into the collective at this time of transformation because we are going through one of the greatest transformations humankind has ever seen. Yeah. And... Our role as projectors is to work with manifestors like yourself and generators and help recalibrate the relationship so that it's not this codependent master and slave type relationship, but it becomes an interdependent kind of really supportive teamwork where, you know, you are still the initiator. You are still the one that initiates ideas and things and gets things moving, but it's not from a place of now go do it but you naturally mm. learn how to inform and use your aura so that you you don't need to demand people to do it. People will literally come to you wanting to do it. Mm. Because when a generator learns to love their design, they want to use their creative energy. And mm. when they work hard, it's about redefining that word work hard. It doesn't mean they go to a job and lift sandbags for 12 hours a day. It means mm. that they use their creative energy to create and really give their creative energy to whatever they're working on, whatever project, et cetera. And at the end of the day, if they've used their energy well towards something that is correct for them, which means that they've listened to their alignment to connect, say, with you, for example, then they're going to feel deeply satisfied in the Mm. same way that when you initiate something and you watch it come into manifestation and you begin to feel peaceful, Mm. And you'll feel at peace with yourself, able to sit in in your kind of throne as such 
you know, to, to relax and just be, be at peace with what's happening around you until your next inspiration to initiate happens. And so it's about recalibrating that relationship where it, it's taking that ego part out of, you know, better or worse. Yeah. And actually yeah. coming down to the fact that, you know, as a manifester, you won't find peace in being a generator. Yeah. No oh, man, I can tell you that for sure. Right? Yeah. And a generator yeah. will never find satisfaction in being a manifester. They might mm. think they want to be the ruler, but they don't want to be. Mm. But it's yeah, again, the little disclaimer here, this is not about then saying that a manifesto gets to boss everyone around. Yeah. But you do have impact and that is kind of what, you know, subtly happens, but it's got to come from that heart-centered place where, you know, like we talked about in, in the session together, a manifesto is it's important they learn to inform others of what they're about to do. Have respect mm. for the others that, yes, your impact is going to rock their boat a little bit, so make sure that there's some compassion and process in the way that happens rather than just bullying in and going, this is how it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And that's the thing. That's the old paradigm, right, Mark? Like this old rulership yeah. paradigm where it's like I say, you act, what I say goes and more so creating this, uh, dropping down the walls of division and creating unity amongst everyone. And when you are acting out your human design and your, would you say gene keys? Yeah, yeah. You, your gene keys are going to how you would express them the other way. That you are in peace with what you're here to do and you're not trying to be someone else. You're not trying to please someone else. You're actually here running your own program from your heart. And then when everyone's doing that, it doesn't matter whether you're the leader or you're the, you're the integrator or whether you're the projector or you're bringing people together or you're building a house or just mm. looking after your children. It's the fact that you know that you're here to do what you you were meant to do from your heart and that should give you peace mm. amen to that yeah man so this is cool brother i think we're like we've really given the the basics of this and gone down many different paths but i guess what a couple of questions i have for you just for the people listening is like how they can i guess so we've, we've covered a lot but i'm, I'm sort of feeling like we've to sum up a few questions, like medical, what's your view on this? Having medical practitioners, parents, teachers, those um, natural leaders or like guides in this world now going into this new paradigm, should they understand this system? Well, it's, I would say that it would be one of the most incredible things if, if this was integrated into our collective as part of the educational system. I do think that understanding the way we are designed is one of the most liberating and empowering things that we can do. And particularly for parents, when, when a parent can understand, and, and this is interesting that, you know, Ra, Ra Uruhu, when he, when he created human design, you know, he said, this is for the children because not all parents can be saved. <laughs> it's kind of his pessimistic <laughs> kind of perspective. He was like, look, a lot of them are so deeply conditioned that the path of least resistance is just to, to keep going and, you know, restart the game in a sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from the, when you, and that sounds a bit kind of drastic, but when you look at it from that bigger picture, it's like life, it's just a stage play, you know, and not everything has to be done immediately. But what he really saw, and I agree with, and what you've, you've been bringing forward and, and suggested yourself, is that when we cultivate our understanding of our own human design, we're able to be more fully present for those we're in service to. Mm. 
So it means that parents can be more present with their children and stop projecting their shit onto them. Pardon my expression. Yeah, I agree. And as a father myself, you know, I've I've had my son full time for about six years as a single daddy with, you know, he's 10 now. And for all all the magic that I know of this work, I still do it. I, I still trigger and I still have these processes. But the difference is because of human design, I understand where I'm projecting my fears onto my son and I can catch myself doing it real time. And then I can actually recenter, breathe, bring myself back, and then sit and connect with him and have that honest conversation where I say, "Hey, buddy, I'm sorry that that wasn't that wasn't necessary," and and reset. And that then means I can be a role model to my son of what it really means to be human, yeah. not this idealistic idea of being the perfect mother or father, which just is not possible as far as I'm concerned right now. Yeah. But about being real. And being authentic in taking responsibility for where we slip up in our own conditionings. Mm -hmm. And so I think for parents, it's an amazing thing. They often come to me saying, hey, can you do my kids uh, reading? And the first thing I'll say is, well, we can talk about that. But first, we have to do yours. Mm -hmm. Because you have to understand your own design first. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. they begin to use you know, you'll notice that people can do this. They will use somebody else's profile against them. They will try and act as if they know all about that person and tell them, oh, you're doing this because of your shadow of this or or this open center. Or, and then it becomes very, you know, it's it's, it's kind of a bit uh, painful when people use it like that. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, I can imagine teachers. Could you imagine schools being designed that manifestors get to go to a manifestor school where they learn how to be, you know, how to use that aura and that energy in a way that can be really peaceful and loving and, and you know, impactful? And generators could go to a school where they, you know, almost like Hogwarts, you know, uh, Hogwarts witchcraft. You could go to your human design school where you get to really learn how to be your type and learn how to drive your crazy. That would be crazy. Could you imagine like, yeah, just like going to do your class. You go, I've got to manifest the class where you learn, you're going deeper on human design. Like that's epic. I think that's what it should be. hundred percent. I agree with you, man. Like. I um yeah. I met a guy in California when I was traveling through there. He's a uh, his father was a great astrologer, and so he did his birth charts for all his children and himself. And he was like able. He was, I remember chatting with him about it. He said, "I'm able to understand the emotions of my child, um, mm. understand where I can work with them when they're needing something." And it's it's like this beautiful connection that you can create as a new age parent because that's what we're creating here like yourself mm. like your son's very lucky to have you to be so consciously aware of what you're creating in his own program going forward based on how you know he interacts with his human design and gene keys so mm. yeah this is the new age brother and it's and i'm really glad to be interviewing you today and getting this message out and getting people with you man because this is helping our decisions making our challenges easier it's allowing us to be living in harmony in more harmony with ourselves and with those around us so like if that's if that's the goal of what people really want is to live more, with more peace and this is the first step to getting to that to understanding mm. that and so i'm freaking honored to be able to share this with everyone brother thank you very much i appreciate it luca and it's it's funny as you said that i just had this flash i'm, I'm a very I, th- I think a lot in visions mm. and um and as you said that i saw it kind of like the option is, you know, we've got a transformation. We've got a system that needs to be recalibrated. We've got everything needs to be changed. And we can either go charging angrily with pitchforks or we can take the time to connect using systems like human design. Look, it's not the only way, but for me, it is one of the most practical, grounded ways that is efficient in doing this. And 
get in touch with our higher purpose. And instead of raging, you know, with pitchforks to change the world, we can actually step into our vehicles, you know, our Batmobiles or our, you know, Wonder Woman airplane or whatever it is that your specific one is and Mm. fully activate it, fully actuate your highest powers. And then we can bring, you know, peace to the world in a way that's so much more fun, playful, efficient, you know, and inspiring rather than just fighting. Yeah. Amen, so thank brother. you for this opportunity, Luca. I really appreciate it. No worries, it. man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And before, I, I didn't talk to you about this before we started recording, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> of course, I'm going to throw your details in the show notes and put that up on the social links. Is there, um, are, you, are you, for the listeners listening, are you able to do, like I say, a 10% discount? Like I said, I'm throwing you on the spot. No, 100%, man. It'll be an oh, absolute cool. pleasure. That's I tell awesome, you what, Luca, man. because it's you, man, how about we make it 20%? Oh, geez, that's awesome. As a a special offer. I mean, it's one of those things I've had to find my balance with business. You know, it's been one of my deepest spiritual growths. But at the same time, I I love nothing more than sharing this work. And it would be be an absolute honor. So what I'll do is after this podcast finished, I'll set up a um, code for, and I'll just make it Luca, L-U-K-A. Cool. So I'll have that set up so that when um, your listeners want to book in a session, then um, yeah, pop in Luca L U K A and yeah, they can get the uh, the twenty percent off. Generous. That's very generous, brother. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, and pleasure. I hundred percent encourage everyone listening to this to go <laughs> and get this reading. Like it was honestly game changing for me to realize that. And to, you go so deep and so extensive, and you give an actual video recording on Zoom, so you can always look back at it. Mm-hmm. You get your charts. And it's something you will not regret. So for those, again, listening, get on to that. Um, to wrap this up, I really want to encourage everyone to start looking at what they truly want in life and whether that's a more peaceful relationship, a more peaceful career, a more peaceful um, home life and more financial abundance, whatever that is. Getting in check with who you truly are and getting inside yourself to understand who you truly are is one quick step forward to finding that harmony and that balance in life this has helped me and if this rings true to you get onto that link get onto mark and i'm sure you'll get a lot more wisdom from him as i did outside of the human design and gene keys reading and go and start living your life from your heart not from your ego not from a condition and start making an impact so thank you very much for listening thanks again mark brother for having for coming and joining me here and thank you no worries and until next episode enjoy your day thank you so much for listening to the end i'm incredibly grateful to share these magical lessons and experiences with you here please if you can do anything right now adopt the takeaways that our guests give you in each episode and use it in your life and share it with your loved ones because that's what matters and remember this Socrates once said, the secret to change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. It's time to wake up, my friends.